Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler, and I'm here today with Joseph Cox, our senior staff writer. Joseph, hello. How are you? I'm all good. Thank you. Uh, thanks for being here. Today, we're going to talk about the Lapsus hacking crew, extortion gang, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the group that has recently popped Okta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, EA. Who else? <laughs> Samsung as well is the other main one. And then a bunch of other companies... Uh, that we'll probably get into as well. But those are the main ones, yeah. And I mean, if the hackers broke into any one of those companies, they'd probably be deemed successful, right? But Lapsus has had a a pretty good run uh, since last year. Right. So as we're recording this, you just published a big feature about who Lapsus is, what they're doing, um, what we need to know about them, that sort of thing. And I really want to talk about all that. But the first, and I think probably biggest news is that uh, a lot of them got arrested mere moments ago, like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Just as we hit publish, um, City of London police then said, obviously in the UK, then said that they'd arrested seven suspected members uh, of the group. Uh, they, I don't think they released their names at the time because, you know, they're going to be teenagers or, you know, legally um, underage. So, yes, that just happened. We'll see what comes of that. But... It, it's not a surprise. <laughs> as, I, as the piece kind of gets into, it doesn't explicitly say this, but, you know, we've covered these sorts of groups for a long, long time now that do this sort of hacking, that do this sort of social engineering, and it's kids. And I'm sure we'll get into how people have been, especially in the cybersecurity industry, have been sort of framing it more as this sophisticated, mysterious group or something when it was always going to be kids, you know, and the arrests. Uh, at least suggest that, you know, obviously they're not guilty or, or convicted yet, but, you know, it suggests that. Right. So let's, uh, let's take it back to what we know about lapses. Like you said, it's not surprising to anyone. It, it's not surprising to me either because you've been following this group for a while, but how did lapses first get on your radar? Like what, where did they come from? Yeah. So, I mean, last year, uh, I think in June or July, we covered a breach at the gaming, the video game giant Electronic Arts, EA. Uh, and that was a pretty big hack, you know. Uh, somebody had stolen all of this data, including source code of the Frostbite engine used to make Battlefield games, the source code for the FIFA games, or, or at least the latest one, a bunch of internal PlayStation documents as well. And uh, these hackers were trying to extort EA. They failed. You know, the, the top of the piece actually explains how sloppy they were in their extortion attempt that they apparently didn't know who to contact at EA, so they tried to get me to send the extortion message for them, and obviously we didn't do that. And then EA itself um, asked me to put them in touch with the hackers as well, so it was a complete mess. And it ends up with uh, these hackers uh, releasing uh, this EA code on the internet. At the time, they were not calling themselves lapses. That came a little bit later, sort of during the breach, but in the initial conversations, no. Um, and from there, 
when they sort of adopted the name more formally, you know, in forum posts and, and Telegram and that sort of thing, they started to target um, telecommunications companies in South America. And that's important because, well, ordinarily you maybe go, oh, you know, a telecom in, in XYZ or whatever, maybe that would be a footnote in some sort of um, timeline of the breaches. And I think some people have overlooked that, you know, uh, in InfoSec have been looking at this. But I think it's important because it shows where this group came from, which is the world of SIM swapping. You know, this is something we've covered for years and years and years now, where hackers will convince the telecom to port a number, to reroute text messages or calls to a, to a phone that the hacker controls. They use that to break into accounts to steal fancy usernames or steal cryptocurrency. And that is where Lapsus comes from, from that community. Right. And how do we know that? Like, obviously, the mechanism for the hacks are, are kind of similar to what we saw in SIM swapping, but it's like, you know, how were you able to track them from sort of the SIM swapping community to this, which is bigger. It's it's more destructive. It's obviously SIM swapping has led to really disastrous impacts for individuals, but this is like popping some of the biggest companies in the world. So how are you able to sort of track them from that that growth in the uh, SIM swapping space to something that is mm, likely to gather more attention, I guess? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean... Um... There are some technical blog posts, including one from Microsoft, where its own researchers went through and laid out the sort of tools and techniques of Lapsus, you know, presumably by looking at some of their telemetry or or other um, data that they have access to. You know, of course, Microsoft is in in an exceptionally privileged position to do that sort of thing. And they mentioned SIM swapping. Um, Early on in the piece as well, there's a quote from a researcher who I keep anonymous, who has been... Uh, following the group and they say that you know members came from the sim swapping uh, community and they were breaking into accounts to steal cryptocurrency um you know there's also been a report from bloomberg and uh one from brian krebs as well um i'm not going to name the person because they're they're a child and the information i would say is not fully verified at this point but um it looks like the person they named, who's one of the alleged main members, was also involved in that community in some way. Uh, but as you suggest, it didn't end at SIM swapping. And that is definitely the most interesting thing about Lapsus, I think, is that they, they were doing SIM swapping, that sort of thing. And then they escalated, but not really in a technical way, at least not yet. That comes later. They escalated by buying login login credentials. And this is how they actually got into EA uh, when one of the people associated with that hack explained it to us. You go to a marketplace called Genesis. You did did this piece like a few months ago. Um, And yeah, so Genesis Marketplace, let's let's go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Sure, sure. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah, you're, you're right. We did that a few months ago and it's sort of, it's become even more relevant now as the group has become more and more prolific, right? Um, but on Genesis, you don't just buy a username and password. You know, people have been doing that for years and years and years, obviously. Here, you buy a cookie or a login token. So that little file that's stored in your browser that will keep you logged into Slack or Twitter or whatever, um, somebody, or various people probably, have been collecting those login credentials, those cookies, probably via malware, and they're selling them on this marketplace. Now, that's not to say that Lapsus or you know other customers of this marketplace are going and collecting that data themselves. They're just buying it 
And in that piece, we explain how, you know, it's dollars to get uh, a login token. And that could be for Slack. It could be for a corporate environment. It could also, rather tellingly, also be for Okta, which we'll, we'll talk about later in the timeline. But they're a very significant uh, company that was also hacked. Do we um, have any indication of how the login tokens are getting stolen in the first place and uploaded to, to Genesis? Uh, people I spoke to at the time, researchers, I think primarily, they said it's likely malware. And it seemed like there was, uh, I think it was one seller on there who maybe the predominant provider, if I'm remembering correctly. But that would make sense. And by malware, it doesn't have to be like a super sophisticated rootkit or something like that. It could just be like a really sketchy uh, browser extension, you know, that may also get access to that information. Malware comes in a lot of different forms. A lot of people have crappy browser extensions installed, you know, so it could easily be that. And, um, I mean, we don't go into this in the piece, but if you kind of think about it, the rise of working from home, you know, potentially people also using their personal laptops to log into corporate environments, that opens up a lot of room, potentially, for those dodgy extensions and that sort of thing. Uh, So, you know, a market like that is going to be um, getting lots of inventory at this point. Right. And so security researchers weren't taking lapses super seriously for a while because it's not like they were deploying a zero day. They weren't finding some vulnerability in Octus servers and then hitting that. And it wasn't like a terribly interesting, from that perspective, like technically interesting hack. But the damage is often, at least for a company like EA, like that was a pretty bad hack. They took a lot of stuff. And I mean, the way that they did that was they basically got into EA Slack and then they used that person's access to download a bunch of shit and then they leaked it. Like mm. this is this yeah. is basically what we've seen over and over again where they are compromising like either a single user's permission or multiple users' permission, taking a bunch of stuff and then very haphazardly and very um disorganizedly <laughs> um trying to extort the victim. Right? Is that is that kind of the pattern that we've been seeing? Yeah, it, it does seem to start with an account compromise, be that of, you know, a customer support person or something else, and then they'll keep going from there. Um, when it comes to the extortion, that's sort of the important bit in that often what the group would do is go in, steal a bunch of data, uh, and then, you know, tell the company, you pay us XYZ amount and we won't leak it, something like that. They don't deploy ransomware. You know, they're, they're an extortion group, not a ransomware group. That being said, I don't know if they've made any money from from their extortion attempts. Uh, EA didn't pay, as far as I know. In the case of uh, NVIDIA, um, Lapsus didn't... Re- I d- they may have asked some money at one point, but later on they said, look, we won't dump these particular files if you remove this limitation on your graphics cards that allow people to mine uh, cryptocurrency more efficiently. That's a really bizarre... Uh, demand. Of course, NVIDIA was never going to do that. Um, so they may be super effective. It, it, it is funny that accounts. that's the, that right. that was the demand, though, because that that was like a big beef among the cryptocurrency community in general. It's like NVIDIA put these artificial blocks on its graphics cards to make them less good at mining cryptocurrency. And there were a bunch of people on Reddit and Twitter who were mad that they did this and many gamers who were really happy that they did this because, um, you know, sort of the rise of 
cryptocurrency mining has led to a, a big shortage in graphics cards because many cryptocurrency miners are buying them up, therefore making it harder for gamers to get them. But it's just, it's really interesting that that's, that's sort of the culture that they're coming from in this case. Like, it's not clear that Lapsus had any interest in uh, mining crypto, but this idea that NVIDIA was bad uh, because it was limiting um, cryptocurrency mining on its graphics cards became this meme for a little while. And then it's funny that they were kind of talking in that language when they were asking when that was their demand. Totally. And I mean, yeah, it, as you say, it kind of just indicates or suggests the sort of communities that they come from, you know, and that's sort of why I was interested in writing this sort of profile of the group is that I'm, I'm personally not actually interested in, in the real world identities that say off the, like, I don't, I'm not super interested in their names. I'm interested in where they came from and the context of that, which is why, again, we focus on them coming from the sim swapping community, because that's very, very important for understanding their motivations and their effectiveness. You know, you mentioned earlier that security researchers maybe didn't pay attention to the group, of course, that's a generalization, but that's what I wrote in the piece. Um, because SIM swapping has not really been looked at by the information security community very broadly, you know. Um, and now maybe maybe people should pay more attention to those communities, which although, you know, they contain a lot of teenagers, they contain a lot of teenagers who are clearly breaking into some of the biggest companies on the planet. You know, it's worth uh, paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a, a little bit more in detail, go back to the EA hack, um, sort of yeah. the aftermath of that hack, because you reported on it, you broke that news, um, you talked to Lapsus, and then Lapsus asked you for a favor, and then EA asked you for a favor, which just sort of speaks to, like, they've gotten more sophisticated, but in the infosec world, they've been looked at as kind of a joke and kind of bumbling for, I think, reasons that are exemplified in this exchange that you had with them so yeah, what, what happened people, yeah right right well what happened first of all was as i mentioned yeah they were trying to extort ea uh they didn't know where to send it so they asked me to um provide that message and ea wanted to get in touch with the hackers and they asked me to put them in touch which um i didn't do so obviously that extortion attempt fell apart but the reason i think that's sort of interesting is that maybe some of the cybersecurity world have been too focused on the extortion part because, you know, there's a lot of ransomware right now. There's a lot of different trends in ransomware, such as, you know, they run their own telegram groups to try to uh, intimidate victims. They use the media to write articles to try to force them to pay a ransom, that sort of thing. So people are coming in from that way, and then they see that Lapsus isn't very good at extorting, so they may shrug them off. When it's, no, no, you should be coming in from... These are sim swappers who will keep going and keep going and keep going until they break into a company. For, for the hell of it. Like, why not? It'd be great to break into an NVIDIA. That'd be hilarious. Um, obviously, I don't want to totally put words in their mouth, but from everything we know from covering the sim swapping communities for years now, you have to think of it like that, you know? And then you'll understand more why they're doing it. Yeah. Right. It is, I mean, just to just to be clear, it's... Very, very unusual for a hacker to ask a journalist to put it in 
contact with the company. But it was weird, yes. <laughs> no, it's it's super weird, and it's it's just like, uh, can you not Google their their email address? Right. It's like you stole a bunch of their shit. You can't get in contact with them. This is it's it's bizarre. Um, yeah. But I mean, to Joseph's point, it's like that doesn't mean that they're not good at hacking or haven't found an interesting way, an interesting and repeatable way to get into some of the biggest companies on earth. Um, all right. I want to take a quick, a quick break for ads. Uh, if you're on Twitch, which if you're listening on the cyber podcast, you can find us at twitch.com, sorry, twitch.tv slash motherboard TV. If you're listening on Twitch right now, I'm sorry that the video is really choppy. My computer is having some some troubles, but the audio, I think, is working. So we're just going to prioritize the audio moving forward for the second half of the show. Any case, here is the ads. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, we are back. So earlier this week, Lapsus said that it hacked Okta. Maybe people haven't heard of Okta before. We know what Okta is because we use Okta. Hacking Okta Mm -hmm. is very, very bad. Why? Mm -hmm. What is Okta? Why is this potentially disastrous? Yeah, so Okta is a so-called single sign-on service. And basically what this means is that if you work at a company that has a Dropbox account, a Gmail account... Uh, maybe some sort of social media as well, you may not want all of your employees to have to remember all of those different passwords at once. And if you had all of the logins funneling through one system, you, as you know, security professional working the company, could see, oh, okay, there's a suspicious login from this person. We can lock down all of their accounts or take some sort of other action. So you can, you can act much more effectively on information. And when the, um, when the people leave, you can shut them all down at once. It's not like, oh, shit, this right. person still has access to sensitive files. It's like you can just turn off everything all at once. Yeah, so Okta is exceptionally useful for companies for a variety of different reasons. Um, but, and, and I'm going to be, you have to be really, really careful about how you describe this because generally speaking, Okta and single sign-on solutions are a good security tool, but there is a slight trade-off in that, you know, well, what if Okta was hacked and they could get all the keys and, you know, or the single passwords and then log into the users that way and you kind of laugh it off like, yeah, but it's worth the trade-off and then Lapsus got into Okta <laughs> and basically exemplified that exact threat. So just to give a bit of context, on their Telegram uh, group just a few days ago, they posted screenshots of what looked like internal Okta panels. So also Okta itself, but then also ones from Cloudflare, cybersecurity company that people may be familiar with. And it looked like they were accessing Cloudflare infrastructure through Okta. In other words, it seemed like they had used Okta's key to get into Cloudflare. Um, Okta did a frankly terrible response 
um, in that they didn't give up much information. This actually happened way back in January, and they just seemingly didn't really act upon it. And then later, uh, a day or two after that, Okta admitted that hundreds, around 300 of its customers, may have been impacted by this lapsus breach. That is a really, really bad scenario. And I think it's going to have some real ramifications for whether people actually trust um, Okta or not. You know, maybe it's not worst case scenario, but it's it's up there for Okta specifically. Right. And it's really hard to say what the knock-on ramifications are going to be here because we don't know exactly how breached Okta was and which companies may mm-hmm. have been affected that use Okta. And it's like, just as an example, there's a big difference between what an intern at a company can access and what a higher level manager can access. For example, it's like if you were to pop someone's Okta account who is an intern at a company, like maybe you can get into their email, maybe you can get into their Slack, like that's bad. You can take some stuff, you can steal some information. Um, but but generally they're not going to have the permissions that are going to lead to something super disastrous. Whereas if you got into the Okta of someone who was an executive or a higher level person, it's like, then you can get into their email, which is probably going to be more interesting than the intern's email. You can get into their Slack. You can get into their perhaps like Salesforce um, accounts where you can see like financial data. You can probably look at various analytics um, at a journalism company. You could get into their CMS um, Mm -hmm. at a very, like you could in theory get into places that would be really disastrous depending on the company and depending on the person whose account is compromised. Yeah, totally. And as you say, we don't know that exact impact yet. Okta, as I said, has not been particularly great when it's communicating this information, but it has said that it is notifying those hundreds of customers who were potentially impacted. And every single one of those customers could have another level of impact. So if you actually, if you see the screenshots that were published by Lapsus of the access to the Cloudflare panels, one showed them starting a password reset process for a specific um, site reliability uh, engineer who worked there. You know, like I found this person's LinkedIn. Uh, so that could be a pretty valuable account, you know? And now you just, you take that and you obviously multiply it by about 300 and I think, well, obviously more information will, will, will trickle out as there's more reporting around it, but maybe we will see that the Okta breach, again, which happened in January, a relatively long time ago, led to some of the compromises uh, that Lapsus did. You know, we don't fully know that um, at this time, and again, they used a ton of different techniques, so it's very case-by-case, case. Um, but it wouldn't be surprising if some of Lapsus breaches or the more um, tangible ones came from that initial Okta compromise. Right. So we learned that seven teenagers were arrested earlier today in the UK, which, as you said, was sort of expected. Expected as in, we're not surprised that they're teenagers. Um, we're, I'm not surprised that they were in the UK because there were some people on forums saying that they most likely were from the UK, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we've seen mass arrests of hacking gangs before, and then they've just like kept on going as though nothing happened. Um, is there any indication that lapsus like this, is this going to take down lapsus or do we have just simply no idea? Hard to say because 
all of those people who were arrested were in the UK, but there is at least suspicion that some members may either be based in or at least connected to South America, you know, uh, because, you know, some of them seem to be very fluent uh, in other languages. The targeting as well of those South American telcos, pretty random target for a bunch of British teenagers to go after, but maybe they did, who knows. Uh, it depends on who had access, you know, to the telegram, to the data, that sort of thing, and who's still out. And that being said, you know, I, they're probably going to be allowed to go home on, on on bail in some form. I would imagine, you know, they're they're teenagers. Uh, maybe they'll be told not to go on uh, computers. But my understanding is that when British police do arrest specifically sim swappers, um, often they pop back up online. Now, whether they would go and do more crimes, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it depends how audacious or crazy they want to be, right? Uh, but some of them, some swappers have come up before, yeah, after they've been arrested. So the, the group could still keep going. It just depends how um, how wild they want to be. Do we have any clue how they were caught? Like, it seems they were being pretty brazen. So I guess it's not, not surprising yet. they yeah. were caught, but do we have any clue? No, not yet. I would just say that, you know, the name of one of the main people has been known in the threat intelligence and cybersecurity industry for ages. And, you know, we saw uh, from researchers, but then also just in Telegram groups, there's a lot of drama basically between Lapsus uh, and, the f- and the owners of a website called Doxbin. I won't get into the whole drama, but basically there was a lot of doxing going back and forth around that. And that's been out for a while. So the more interesting question potentially, again, we don't know the answer to, is like, why are they only being arrested now? And is it because... You know, after the Octa one, that was just that was just too far. You know, um, or was it because the information's only just got to law enforcement? Uh, we don't know yet. Right. I think uh, I, before we end, I want to go back to just sort of the way that we believe that they've been popping these companies through, you know, purchase logins and tokens and a variety of techniques used by sim swappers. It's like even if even if we never hear from Lapsus ever again, they've sort of opened up a new avenue of hacking. Um, and it's like when we've seen SimSwap arrests, it's like, well, SimSwaps just kept happening because it was an entire community of people doing it. And there was sort of a replicable way of doing it over and over and over again. And so I think that we'll probably see this sort of hack where we're using, you know, uh, login credentials and, and tokens bought from other, um, from online marketplaces. And of course there's indication that they may have done some phishing, which is obviously not going anywhere. Like I would, I would suspect that this is going to be a popular method of attacking companies moving forward. Yeah. I think the barrier to entry is so low now that you may be able to do that. So, I mean, as a way of comparison, people were doing SIM swapping a lot and they were targeting uh, you know, people who held cryptocurrency. And then that got a bit harder through security mechanisms being introduced, but then also, you know, just targets drying up. And then some of those people then moved to Roblox and started doing stuff around that, which obviously we reported on before. You might see a similar thing here where we had these communities who were doing stuff like SIM swapping, who then moved to putting malware into the telcos and controlling them that way. And then, like Lapsus, has now also bought login credentials 
And on the more technical side, they have actually put password stealing malware inside some of the companies. You know, the, on on the whole, relatively speaking, Lapsus was not that sophisticated technically, but they were definitely more sophisticated than the SIM swappers we saw maybe a year, two years ago. And that has been a constant in the SIM swapping community where where one avenue will dry up, they will then find other ones as well. We talked a little bit about uh, how the InfoSec community maybe didn't take them as seriously as they should have and thought of them as a bit of a joke. Is that a problem? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's just funny how some of them are being analyzed. You know, the, the, the Microsoft blog post, which runs down the technical, uh, the, the sort of tools and techniques that the group did. It's a really, really good one, uh, blog post, and it has really, really good detail. It's just very funny <laughs> to see the multi-billion dollar company, Microsoft, dedicating resources to doing a technical blog post on something which is like, even before the arrest, like, this is sim-swapping teenagers. It's just, it's funny. Like, we wouldn't have seen that even recently. And we, we've had other groups before, you know, Chuckling Squad, who took over a bunch of Twitter stuff, uh, the Twitter hacker as well, who got into the back end of Twitter, then took out over accounts this, that way. These people are all generally from the same communities. And it, I just find it funny that we're seeing research blogs now dedicated to them. You should have done that a long, long time ago, yeah. Do you think, you know, I guess I'm saying like, had the broader InfoSec community taken this group more seriously, do you think any of these hacks could have been prevented? It it just seems like the attack surface is so big that I just don't know how a company stops, you know, one dumb employee from using a browser extension that they shouldn't have and, and, you know, in turn compromising the entire company. Yeah, I mean, sure, it, it could have helped at least having more information readily available, more eyes on it. But I think you're right, you know, the attack surface is so big, not just in that, but they're also targeting the third parties that work with these companies. So Okta was breached because they targeted a, custo- a third-party customer support company. You know, and we've also seen that with Roblox as well, where they go after the outsourced IT staff. Um, with EA, they tracked an IT uh, support worker as well. So you may have you may have multi multi-factor authentication. You may have Okta all on your company, but then the third party that some of your services are going out to, they may not have everything. They may have SMS verification, and then maybe Okta will get hacked anyway. Uh, so I think you're right, and the attack surface is so big. And groups like Lapsus especially, they're not focused on one technique. They will just go somewhere else or find something else if they need to. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, I want to pivot real quick just because this just happened, or rather we just wrote about it. Sam Cole wrote about it. Um, they're Grimes, famously uh, of Elon Musk's... <laughs> Anyways, Grimes and Elon Musk. Uh, Yes. Yes. I don't even know what to say. But uh, Grimes just admitted to Vanity Fair that she helped orchestrate a DDoS attack against the blog Hipster Runoff back in 2013, I believe it was, uh, which is... Did you see this story yet? I'm reading it right now. Yeah, this is uh, this is a bit out of left field, but it actually throws back to some deep motherboard history. Um, Back in 2013, when this happened... 
Hipster Runoff, for people who don't know, was a music blog that was really popular among certain uh, sceny music types. Um, and it was like really, it was pretty crass. It was pretty sarcastic. And a lot of artists that were written about really hated it. And Grimes was one of these artists back then. Uh, still is an artist, but she hated Hipster Runoff for whatever reason. And in this uh, Vanity Fair interview, she says that she was canceled canceled, I'm using air quotes, for uh, mm-hmm. basically orchestrating this DDoS attack that took Hipster Runoff down for quite a like a year or something like that and deleted the backups. And first of all, this is like a major celebrity slash very popular musician admitting to a federal crime, like launching a DDoS attack and deleting the backups of one of your critics is a federal crime. Um, two, this solves a very long internet mystery, which is who hacked Hipster Runoff or who attacked Hipster Runoff back in 2013. Uh, we interviewed Carls, who was the uh, person who owned and ran Hipster Runoff back in 2013. And he was really bummed that his website was attacked and, t- and taken down. Um, just thought I should mention this because it's, it's really out of left field. Go check out the story by Samantha Cole. Um, it's, it's bizarre and it's weird. And I don't know if there's going to be any impact for, Grimes here, but essentially she has admitted to orchestrating a crime. And so I'm, I'm just curious, like what's going to happen here, Joseph. Uh, I know I put you on the spot there, but if you have anything, any thoughts, no. <laughs> I, I, I just read it and I, I, I just think it's insane. Not only that she did it, but also, yes, obviously that she, uh, admitted it. Uh, I mean, What's the statute of limitations on DDoS? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe for a future episode of Cyber, we'll have more details there. Um, for now, I think that's it. Uh, thank you so much, Joseph. And thank you, everyone who listened on Twitch. Uh, if you're finding us on the Cyber Podcast, you can find us at twitch.tv slash motherboard TV. To those who are listening on Twitch, sorry that my computer is a piece of shit. I will fix it in the future. My bad. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.